uh, to your outline that I gave you. It seems fitting after some of these prayers we prayed for me to share this word with you. It's called getting along with God. Seems like we <laughs> kind of already dealt with that. <laughs> Let's keep going. Getting along with God. How many of you have ever had a problem getting along with God? I mean, uh, here's the bottom line. We all do. And I'm going to show you how. We all have a problem with it. And I'll tell you why. You live in your body. You live in a body. This body is called the flesh. And uh, it has its ways and its desires. And God has His ways and His desires. And uh, these two things oppose each other quite often. Now, I want you to recognize that God is here today by the presence of His Holy Spirit in you. Everyone that is born again by God's Spirit has the Spirit of God in them. You put faith in what Jesus did on the cross, and here specifically is what you're you're to have faith in, His blood. The faith in His blood. All right? His blood was pure. It paid the price. He died for us took the judgment of God, and it's faith in that blood that cleanses us. And by doing that, that blood washes us of our sin so that the spirit of holiness, God's own spirit, can now dwell in us. Now, uh, you, you can't have the spirit of holiness in you unless the blood cleanses. If you don't have the blood, you don't have the spirit. This isn't uh, something that you believe in. If I just believe it, I'll get it. You've got to believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in what He did, not what you do, what He did. And by that blood, it cleanses sin so that the Spirit of holiness can dwell in you now. And by that confession of faith, the Holy Spirit is now within you. Now that the Holy Spirit's here, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit that lives in you. He said, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What's he going to teach you? All things. Well, did he teach you geometry? He didn't teach me any. I flunked out of algebra. What's he mean he's going to teach you all things? I don't know all things. Do you know all things? You can't remember it all. I don't think you remember and know all things. Now, what does it mean he's going to teach you all things? All things pertaining to life and godliness. All things pertaining to God. There's knowledge out there you're not going to get just because you have the Holy Spirit. Okay? But, I mean, God could do anything. I know that. But, But what he means is he's going to teach you all things according to relationship to God. What the Lord wants you to do and what you're supposed to respond to him in. The Holy Spirit is in a relationship with you. The Holy Spirit is in relationship with you. He's in love with you. Are you in love with Him? When's the last time you've talked to Him? This is what I want to get across tonight. We're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He loves you. He's going to teach you and guide you into all things pertaining to your relationship with each other. You want to go deeper in a relationship? You have to know more about each other. You have to talk about things with each other. You have to have conversations with the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of folks do not talk to the Holy Spirit. I came out of a denomination where we knew about the Father and we knew about the Son. And I never heard about the Spirit. 
I began to learn to have conversations with him, a relationship. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you into all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. In other words, he is going to bring you into full relationship with me. So he'll lead you into that full relationship. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all what? Truth. All that is true. All that is right. If you will listen to him, he'll guide you in that. And so I want to say this extreme statement to shock you, but to get you to think about it. The Bible cannot teach you or instruct you in the things of God. That's not, put a D there where that should, it says go. The Bible cannot instruct you or teach you in the things of God. That sounds radical, doesn't it? Because you know how many, anybody can read this book and not find truth. Anybody could read this book and not understand God. It's not magical and mystical. What gives you the understanding of this book? The Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. There are folks who elevate the Bible, but can I tell you, the Bible is not going to do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes it alive. It's His words that make it alive. Let me prove that to you. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. You get this? Come on, I've, I've, I've watched YouTubes, I've watched videos of atheists one after another. I've read this book cover to cover. It's foolishness. It's stupidity. These stories about talking donkeys and angels and, and demons, this is fairy tales. It's mythology. To the person who does not have the instruction of the Holy Spirit, this is nonsense. We know it's not. We know it's the revelation of God Himself, but it's just words on a page until who explains it? The Holy Spirit. So when you do your Bible study, it's not, understand this, it's not you getting it, it's the Holy Spirit instructing you. Get in relationship with Him. He's your teacher. He's your instructor. Everybody here has a personal instructor in God. That's awesome. He shows up at your table in the morning, at night. He shows up by your bedside. I don't know if you read your Bible in the bathtub. I wouldn't recommend it, but he's there. He'll do it. He'll be there. Wherever you are, the Spirit is instructing you. So don't think, I'm not smart enough to understand this book. Don't think, I can't grasp it. It's too deep. Don't think any of that. Listen, it's him teaching you. So read it and let him teach you. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, so the question is this. How well do you get along with the Holy Spirit? How well do you get along with Him? And and I want to share three things with you that the Bible talks about how we respond to Him sometimes. And I want to highlight them just to to show you where the struggle is in getting along in relationship. The number one is there's resisting Him resisting the holy spirit now i've done that quite often i i I resist the holy spirit quite often i'll confess that to you i'm not proud of it but let's get real right he's constantly talking to us and he's constantly leading us and guiding us and we can resist him 
Has anybody been prompted by God to do something and you just didn't do it? Well, you resisted him. He's in you. He didn't go anywhere. He's here. And when you don't do what he says, we're resisting what he's telling us to do. So we're actually moving against his will. Listen to what Stephen said in Acts 7.51. He's talking to a crowd of Jewish believers who are a bit upset with him, and he says this, uh, (laughs) you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, how, how far did that speech get him? Yeah, it didn't get it. Uh, we would evaluate that and say, you know, that, that really, you, that didn't go over well, Stephen. You didn't succeed with that one. You didn't win any converts. Or did he? Or did he? Because there was one right there that really resisted him, really was ticked off at him. It, when you read this account, it's really interesting because it said that they got so angry, they ripped their clothes and they started biting him started chewing on him. They're that furious with him. And there was one in authority at that crowd that told, said it to everybody, put your cloaks here and stone him, kill him. So he preached a very bold message and he said, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. Stiff-necked people. And it got him killed. But the concept of resisting the Holy Spirit means to oppose the Spirit of God. Hebrews 4.15 is the same message to the Hebrews, to the Jews. The writer of Hebrews says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. How many of you have ever heard something from the Lord and it ticked you off? You refused it. You won't listen to it. You resist it. You need to go ask someone for forgiveness. I don't think so. Not after what they said to me. You have ought with your brother. Go to them. Ah, no. They could come to me. Right? How many of you ever had this fight with the Holy Spirit? He's in this ministry nonstop. And he's going to guide us into truth. We don't want truth. We resist it sometimes. Because it's painful. Does anybody agree with me? Now, this is interesting to me. Talk about resistance. That same guy that was standing in front of Stephen to stone him when Stephen said, you stiff-necked person resisting the Holy Spirit, was Saul. And on the road to Damascus, Saul is struck by the vision of Jesus Christ himself, the resurrected Lord. He falls to the ground as blind and says, who is it, Lord? And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the ox goad. King James says kick against the prick. Another version says an ox goad. Another says a goad. Do you know what an ox goad is? It's a cattle prod, bottom line. Do you know what a cattle prod is? Today they're very sophisticated. They're electric and they zap you. It's like a bug zapper, right? You have neighbors who have those bug zappers? That drives me nuts. All summer long you hear killing mosquitoes anyways anyway the, a, a cattle prod has that same electric thing and you want to get a cow moving you just zap it and go right well in the old days a cattle bra, prod was a long stick with a sharp metal point and so when you want a big old ox to move what do you do you give them a stick in the rear end 
And what does that do? It motivates him. He's motivated to move. So Jesus is saying to Paul, now get this illustration, why are you kicking against a sharp stick? Why are you kicking against an ox goat? That's a terrible illustration. That sounds painful, doesn't it? You imagine having a sharp metal-tipped stick and you kick it? How's that going to feel? What was he talking about? Why do you kick against the ox goad? What is he saying there? Kicking against. Why are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Who is the ultimate cattle prod? The Holy Spirit. He's the ox goad. How many of you have ever been zapped by the Holy Spirit? Get a move on here. Ooh, oh, right? Come on, get with it. He's the ox goat. He's the one who pushes us. He's the one who motivates us. Let's go. Get up. Let's do this. And so Jesus is saying, why are you kicking against the Holy Spirit? Isn't it interesting? It's the very same thing that Stephen said to the Jews when Paul was in authority to stone him. Why are you resisting the Holy Spirit? And then Jesus, Jesus said that, I believe that God was working with Saul by his Holy Spirit on Paul continually. And I, I believe he couldn't get out of his brain that I- image of Stephen seeing, saying as he's being stoned, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he couldn't get past that. It says later on, Uh, as Paul uses this account, he remembered Stephen. He remembered Stephen. He was hearing the voice of Stephen saying, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus tells him, why are you kicking against the goad? Now an ox goad, the word in the Hebrew, the the word for goad uh, starts with the the Hebrew word el, lamad. And lamad, the, the very picture of the Hebrew letter for Lamad is an ox goad. It's a stick with a hook that you prod the cattle with. And the word literally means, an ox goad means the thing that teaches. How many of you have wished you had an ox goad for your kids? Stop playing video games, get off that couch and do something. That would have been more effective if you had an ox goad and you went, right? The thing that teaches. Ox goads teach you. Get moving. That's the Holy Spirit. And we resist that. There are times when the Spirit is trying to get us to move in His will and we resist Him. And so what you and I need to do, what we want to do, you're here tonight to learn to do, is to no longer resist the move of the Holy Spirit. What if, think about this for a minute, this is crazy, but what if we stopped paying so much attention to what we want and we started doing what He wanted? What if we made every decision moving in the sense of, God, what do you want me to do? What shall I do today? Where am I going to go? I know i got to go to work, but when I go to work, what shall I say? How should I act? How should I move? Just this constant recognition and relationship of the Holy Spirit. What's your will? What should I say to this person who's now saying something to me? Right? The sense of being moved and taught by the Spirit of God. God's got an answer for you for every situation. Let's not resist Him. Let's not resist Him. So, Galatians 5.17 says this, 
For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are what? Say it with me. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Resisting means opposing. So what two things oppose each other? The Spirit and the flesh. Where do those two things reside? In us! We're in opposition with ourselves. Right? There's a war going on here, Paul said. There's a war going on here. Romans uh, 7.21, there's a war going on between the members of my body, right? This flesh, this container that I'm living in, and the, uh, the law that I delight in in my spirit, man. There's a war going on in my mind. I don't know if I should do what my body wants or what the spirit wants. And they resist each other. That's what this verse said. They are opposed to each other. So how do I know when I'm resisting the Holy Spirit? When you're doing fleshly things. It's that simple. Tell me some things of the flesh. Maybe, maybe you could even list some fruit or byproducts of the flesh. What, would, what, would, what, what are some of the things the flesh wants to do? Anger. Very good. Lie. Drug addiction. What else? Gossiping. Gluttony. Lust. I didn't hear you. Depression? Not having faith, trusting? Stealing? And there's many facets to these words. What did you say? Overspending, another form of gluttony. Getting what we want. Bottom line, it's doing what we want. We're born rebellious. We want what we want. Wah, wah, cry, cry, I want what I want. Our flesh is a big baby. We just want what we want. That is that complete resistance to what the Holy Spirit's trying to teach you. Why doesn't he leave me alone? I'm tired. I just want to do what I want to do. But you'd find a rest in him that you could never find in your flesh. Your flesh will never be satisfied. You'll never satisfy that itch of your flesh. But you will find peace with the Holy Spirit. So you can see what I'm trying to point out to you is not condemn everybody here, but get you heightened and aware of how much we are routinely resisting the Spirit of God. Now, how many of you are grateful that He doesn't quit on us? Man, I thank God He's God. He never gets tired of me. (laughs) Thank God. Because I get tired of me. How many of you are tired of you? Man, I am so tired of me. I really am. I, I get so tired of me. All right, so I'm just trying to point out that we resist the Holy Spirit. And we want to change that. Is everybody ready to change that? I want to be more flowing to the Holy Spirit. The more you fall in love with someone, the more you want to walk with them, be with them, keep in step with them. Don't leave me behind. We won't resist them anymore. How many of you remember when you were 18, 19, 20, and you resisted your parents? <laughs> okay. You're 20. You remember quite well. <laughs> I remember, it's just like, you know, my parents are stupid. They don't know anything. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but that's what I thought. Right? They're not that bright. They don't, you know, they're old. And then when you got older, how many of you realized 
Mom, could you help me? I don't understand what to do. I don't know how to handle this. All of a sudden, they've got this intelligence. How about that with the Holy Spirit? When we resist Him, we resist Him until you fall deeper in love with Him and you appreciate Him more and you realize His answers are the simpler right ones if I would do it right away. When He prods me, I need to do it right away and not kick against His instruction. That's what Paul was doing, kicking against His instruction. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes said, the words of the wise are like goads, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. The shepherd has an ox goat. He's teaching you. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Teach you. Lead you into all what? Truth. Why are we kicking against this? When are we going to get it? Respond immediately. Now let's take a look at another thing we do with the Holy Spirit. Folks, we're in a relationship here. This isn't just Bible reading. It's personal relationship with the Spirit. You getting it? Number two, we quench the Spirit. Now to quench means to stop His work. We kick against His will, but to quench means we won't do His work. The word to quench, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. And, And probably the best illustration of quenching is where there's a flame, you take water and you douse the flame. So you quench the fire. So there are times when the Holy Spirit is stirring. He's moving. He wants you to act. There is a prophetic moment set before you. Now, you know, some people get, oh, that prophecy stuff, that's all weird and all that stuff. All it simply means is a God now moment. Do you believe God still acts today? He still does stuff today? Well, if he prompts you to do something right now, that's a prophetic thing. That's a, an open window. That's an open door. It's a prophetic. It's God saying, do it now, because it has timing in the kingdom and a purpose. That's what prophetic means. And so there are times when there is a fire of God that he says, move. It's like, nah, I don't want to. And that, quen- that it quenches. Have you ever been in a situation where the Spirit of God is just quenched? I've been in services where we're worshiping God tremendously, and someone gets out of order, someone does something goofy, or something goes crazy, and it just quenches that move of the Spirit. How many of you ever experienced that, right? Uh, How many of you have ever experienced you're in a moment of prayer, you're in a moment of fellowship with God, and, and, and this is amazing, and God is touching your heart and soul, and someone interrupts and say hey uh, listen could you give me five bucks for it's like what (laughs) you know what i'm talking about we quench the holy spirit folks there are there is a fire burning in you of the holy spirit that he doesn't want you to quench he wants you to act upon it he wants you to move even tonight we prayed about the sense of that that snake giving fear and stopping people that's a quenching Uh, Some of the things that we quench God with, we stifle His influence and moving, is we we douse it out because we're either afraid or, you know what, I'm too tired. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit put someone on your heart and mind? You need to call Joe. You ever have that? Then it's like, oh, I got a little busy and I can't do that. I have to go to lunch. I have to eat. My tuna's getting warm. I need to do something. How many of you ever, you, you know what I'm saying? 
And we quench when God does this. Now, I'm telling you, if we would move on these fires of the Holy Spirit, they're activated for a time and for a reason. And I'm believing that God is doing this with you more often. God is bringing a name. God is bringing a thought for you to pray. Uh, You're waking up in the night. God is giving you these things. Don't quench them. Don't quench them. Begin to expect them in greater measure. While you're standing in the store and God prods you to say something to someone, don't just, well, I don't know. They might be. You're quenching it. Don't pour water on the fire. I need you to say something to that person. Yeah, but I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start the discussion. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're quenching it. Step out. Take that step of faith. I'm telling you the fire's hot. It's going to do something. It's going to matter. But you might think it doesn't have any impact. Stephen went to heaven after he got a couple rocks on his head. He went and saw the Lord Jesus, right? They killed him. And he's probably thinking, that that was not a good speech. What happened? Where were you? I mean, Peter, you know, he gets delivered out of prison. Uh, These other apostles, you know, they get all this stuff. I get a rock! Right here. Where were you? But look at in the story how Stephen's message saved the greatest apostle, uh, if you want to have a debate, but anyways, I think he's the greatest apostle that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because of that message that ended in his death. So there was a fire there. There was a prophetic thing there, and he didn't douse it. He was faithful. Instead of begging for his life, he was obedient to the life of God. So all I'm saying to you folks tonight is, is there's a fire. Start looking for it. When you leave here tonight, there's a fire in your belly. There's a fire tomorrow. There's going to be a fire. Don't quench it. Use it. Use it in the moment that it's given. Now here's the third thing we do with the Holy Spirit. We grieve him. When we resist him, we resist his will. When we quench him, we resist his work. But thirdly, when we grieve him, we, we, we grieve his ways, the way he is, the person that he is. How many of you, I mean, be as honest as you can, please. How many of you forget that he's a person? I do. I think he's a, you know, I fall into that thing. You're God, and I keep talking to the sky. Oh, God. God, you know, your Holy Spirit, he's this force, he's this wind, he's, he's a dove, and he's water, he's a person, and I can grieve him, I can hurt his feelings, well, what's he so sensitive about, what's he so sensitive about, billions of souls going to hell every minute, what's he so sensitive about? The, the corruption and injustice in the world that's all around us. What's he so sensitive about? The people who are committing suicide, the people who are depressed and depraved and broken all around us. He's so sensitive because he's got the answer in us and we don't do anything. That's what he's sensitive about. And we can hurt him. How many of you have ever had someone you love disappoint you? How many of you know that's the worst hurt, isn't it? That when you disappoint someone you love, man, that hurts. I'm sorry. Or when you've been hurt by the person you love, 
that disappoints you. It hurts so bad. Consider that we do that to the Holy Spirit. But He doesn't go away. He doesn't leave a note saying, you really hurt my feelings, I'll see you tomorrow. He stays with us. He doesn't say, I'm not talking to you. I'm not going to say a thing to you anymore. He doesn't do any of that. But he is grieved. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. Let's take a look at what grieves the spirit of holiness. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30. Verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. So he's sticking with you till to redemption. Hey, isn't that good? He's married to us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. That's Jesus' promise. So he's sealing us to the day of redemption. It says, but don't grieve him. What would be the opposite of grieving him? Delighting him. Giving him joy. Wouldn't it, right? So if we're not supposed to grieve him, what should we do? Delight him. Honor him. Have fun with him. It says that Paul, Paul says that the, the kingdom is not eat, uh, eating and drink what you should or shouldn't eat and drink. He says it's joy and righteousness and power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is in there. So have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to have fun with the Holy Spirit. Enjoy the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? What is the chief end of man? The Westminster Confession. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Boy, wouldn't it be neat to see Christians having a blast? Having a good time? Enjoying the Holy Spirit. Right? There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of unhappy Christians. A lot of, a lot of grieved people. So let's not grieve him, let's enjoy him. Now, now let's go back to this verse, chapter 4. Now let's read the verse in front of verse 30. Let's see what grieves the Holy Spirit. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only things that are such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Isn't it interesting that he's saying the thing that grieves the Holy Spirit is what comes out of our mouths. What comes out of our mouths. Now, what comes out of our mouths? The, the abundance of our heart, the mouth, speaks. So if there's a lot of profanity and junk and garbage and tearing down and gossip and backbiting coming out of our mouth, where did it originate from? Our heart, this is what's grieving the Holy Spirit. It's grieving Him on how we are speaking to others. Do you know that there are a lot of people, a lot of people, that feel very close to God, worshiping Him, loving Him, enjoying Him, but have a lot of filth come out of their mouths afterwards? James says, how can this be? How can you have salt water and pure water coming out of the same drinking fountain? How, how, how does that happen? So, folks, 
We resist him when he wants us to move his will. We quench him when his fire is burning. And we grieve him by the way we act. Now, why? Because our flesh is at enmity, is at odds with who he is. I want to be in agreement with him. So we end this study with Paul speaking in Galatians saying, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not be conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. There it is. There's that grieving again, right? If you provoke people, if you envy people, if you have bad attitude towards people, that's grieving the Spirit. He says, no, let's keep in step. Another version says, let's walk with the Spirit. And Amos 3.3, it's a verse I quote a lot. Does anybody remember it? Can two... Thank you. Can two walk together unless they be what? Agreed. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in a marching band? Anybody ever been in a parade? Anybody ever been in the army? Anybody ever watch a parade? Who's watched a parade? Do you watch these people in a parade? What do they do? Keep in step. Lock step. Lock step. You keep in step. You keep up with Him. You move with Him. If you're resisting with Him, can you keep in step with Him? No, no, no. You're resisting. If you quench him, you stop. You're walking with him. If you grieve him, that step is altered by what we do. Keep in step with him. He wants a relationship with you personally. He's got things for you to do that no one else is going to do. He's got your personality, your unique touch. He wanted you to do it. He didn't want someone else to do it. God, get someone else. They'll do it better than me. I don't want it. I want you. I want to do this with you. Could you imagine if your kids, come on, let's play together. Well, Dad, there's probably another kid you'd like better than me. (laughs) I want to play with you. You're my kid. No, Dad. Why don't you ask Billy down the block? I'm sure he's better at things than I am. No, honey. I want you. And so God wants you. Every moment as he's living in you, he wants, I want to do this with you. I want you to say it to him and feel my joy. I want you to touch him. Give him your last dollar. Oh, wait a minute. That must have been a foreign thought. I don't know where that came from. No, give him your dollar. Keep in step with me. I want this. I want, let's us do this together. See, instead of resisting and begrudging, let's do it with him. All right? Let's not quench the fire. He wants you to walk with him. Come on, let's go for a walk. Walk with me. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying. And then last of all, he wants you to invest in him. He wants you to invest in him. I'll close with this, Galatians 6.8. For the one who sows to his own flesh, from his flesh will reap corruption or death. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That word reap... To sow. What does it mean to sow? This is agricultural talk. Sowing and reaping. Plant a seed and what will happen? It'll grow fruit, a crop. What he's saying is, invest in me. If you invest your life in me, life will come back to you. So invest your time in me. Invest your emotions in me. Folks, This verse is basically saying this. Stop spending so much time and so much effort on you 
and spend all your time and effort on me. That's what a marriage is supposed to be like. I'm supposed to love my wife with all that I am, not thinking about me, but loving her with all I am. And she's loving me with all she is. I don't have to ask for a thing. She's there, and she doesn't ask of me. I'm there. That's what a marriage is. That's what covenant is. And that's what the Holy Spirit's saying. Invice, invest completely in me, and I will invest all that I have in you. Who's getting the better deal here? And he says, but I'm just pleased that you want to be with me and do it with me. That's the life of God's Spirit. This is a simple message, but it's a message we fight with every day. It's something we work out every day in all of our decisions. Let's pray 